This episode contains explicit language. Welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, July 21st, the No People Please edition. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom to Henry, who's 10, Oliver, who's 8, and Teddy, who's 5, and we live in Colorado Springs, Colorado. My name is Zach Rosen. I make the Best Advice Show podcast. I live in Detroit with my family. My daughter, Noah, is almost five, and my son, Ami, is nearly two. I'm Stephanie Ryan, owner of Ryan Education Consulting and sole content creator for Let's Learn About Science. I'm mom to almost six-year-old Charlie, starting kindergarten in just a few weeks, and we live in Carmel, Indiana. So Jamila is out this week working on her new book, and we are just delighted to have you here, Stephanie. Welcome. Good to be here. (laughs) So just as a little background, not only is Stephanie a wonderful author, but she and I went to college together, and then we were abroad at the same time, and so shared a lot of like parenting in a new place and a new country thoughts together on the internet and just kind of a safe space of like, how's it going over there? <laughs> uh, while we were while we were exploring that phase of our life. Well, today we are going to help a mom whose kid is having some trouble emerging from her pandemic bubble. The kid is pretty introverted and she doesn't want her to think there's anything wrong with being a homebody, but they do need to be able to sometimes leave the house. Then on Slate Plus, we're transitioning from anxious to angry. We're going to talk about an interesting New York Times piece about raising kids who are good at being angry. Here's a sneak peek of what you'll hear if you have Slate Plus. But it also simplifies it. It's like you're disambiguating it. It's not just this big, cloudy mass of anger. It's, oh, you know, I'm I'm feeling angry because of this and this. And then it just makes it real. And then you, it kind of, you can deflate it that way too. If you want a weekly bonus segment from us and your other Slate favorites, consider signing up for Slate Plus. You'll also get to listen ad-free and get unlimited access to the Slate website. To sign up now, go to slate.com slash plus. Again, that's slate.com slash plus. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll dive into our triumphs and fails of the week. We're back and going straight into sharing our parenting triumphs and fails from the past week. Stephanie, as our guest, would you like to go first? Sure. Um, So I like to stay positive. So I'm going to do a triumph that happened today, actually. So we, and by we, I I mostly mean my son. Um, We've been really nervous about starting kindergarten. New school, new friends, new process. And I've been working all summer to make it less daunting. I have felt kind of crazy at times how focused I've been on this. And I've at times I also feel like, am I doing too much? Um, so we've read all the kindergarten books, built a Lego City school bus. <laughs> we visited the school's playground several times a week. We've started waking up earlier, having play dates with potential new friends. And he's still so nervous. But I'm not sure what I did today. But on the way to school today, in the car, he exclaimed, I want to start kindergarten today. Yay! And I, it was wonderful feeling. And I don't know what tipped him over because we didn't do anything related to it today. I'm going to call it a cumulative effect of hard work, but I'm going to take it. (laughs) How many weeks do you have until kindergarten actually starts? Um, I think he has three weeks. Okay, so you got to ride this out now. <laughs> I do, yeah. <laughs> Zach, how did your kids do starting, like, preschool? Everything is such a blur. But no, uh, <laughs> she had a chance to meet her teacher before school started, which was very helpful. Um, there was just a little meeting. Um, but I think it also helps that 
our school is two blocks from our house. So I think that gave her a sense of security that she might not have, have otherwise had. Conversely, she goes to camp now at her school that's two blocks away. But she was out of both school and camp for um, the last month we were traveling and then we all got COVID and we were in quarantine. So she, she fell out of her rhythm and she's only been to camp a couple days this summer. And then, so we went yesterday and I got a call from school that Noah's not feeling well. The teacher was like, first she was saying her chin hurts and then she was saying her hip hurts and then she was saying like her knee hurts. So it's clearly um, baloney. Uh, not that I don't trust her when she is actually hurt, but we all knew that that she was just yeah. something. Something was, it was off, moving but, around a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The pain w- was moving, but um, she's you know she wasn't eating, and and she asked if she could go home. So um, I kind of didn't even think about it. I'm like, of course, yeah, I'll, I'll go to school. I arrived five minutes later. I felt gallant um, that I could just come and and save her. And we talked about it and she just was like, well, this kid hit me in the stomach, didn't hurt that bad. And I don't know, I just didn't want to be at school today. So I was like, okay, th- this was this was an anomaly. This had never happened before. So I was like, all right, fine. Um, you, can, you can hang out with me, um, do some projects, watch some TV while I work. But then today I got a call again um, at like 10.30 a.m., um, Noah's in the office again. She's not eating. She's not, she's not really feeling well. So I'm thinking to myself, oh shit, like, is this going to be the new, the new normal? Is no, does no one not like being at, at camp anymore? And camp is basically just school um, during the summer, same place, uh, some of the same teachers. So I said, can I talk to her? And they put her on the phone and we talked for 10 minutes and she was, she was totally like, um, not, she hadn't she hadn't lost it but she was just like i don't know i just want to come home i just let me come home so i can just work on projects by myself um and then i learned that there are a bunch of new kids this week that she doesn't know um so mm. and and what and i think the teacher the counselors this week are new but i also just knew that i couldn't let her come home again because then she would just know that she could just abuse abuse the shit out of that um out of my my weakness so i'm like you know what noah I, I i really am so sorry that you're not having a great day but i but i'm pretty sure that if you go back um your teachers will hang out with you a little bit more and um i think you'll have fun you know it's really hot out you're gonna play with water today and um it took it took five or ten minutes of of kind of talking her down but she was willing to go back to class Um, after we spoke and I was also just trying to convey, like, if you come home, it's not going to be fun. There's no one here. I'm working. You can't watch TV. It's just going to be really, really boring. Um, Oh, make sure it is not fun. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we do with my son. We'll tell him, he'll say, I don't know if I feel well. And it's like, well, if you don't feel well, you're going to lay in your bed all day and mommy has to work today. (laughs) So you'll just lay there. Exactly. (laughs) Sounds, sounds great. And so Shira is going to pick her up right now and I will get the get the scoop so yeah we'll see but but i hope that it's just like she's just kind of refinding her rhythm um after having missed so much so much uh camp this summer i'm but wondering it's... about this kid who hit her in the stomach is there a know. bully there might be <laughs> and we're going to talk about it some more um but she said that he was a, he he hadn't messed with her today um but i also asked if she wants me to talk to her teachers about it um yeah and so we're going to we're going to talk about that some more so I, get, I don't think it's that, though. Um, if it is, then we'll definitely... I mean, I don't know if you can get to the bottom of it, but we'll definitely explore it some more. But um, <laughs> we'll see. I'll, I'll keep you posted. 
the toughest parts of parenting are the parts where like you want to rescue but you know that Mm. the actual rescue is to leave them like is to say i know you can do this and i believe in you but um it's a parenting but i think these are the hardest because you're also like am i doing this because i don't want them to be home (laughs) you know you're like no it is also the best thing (laughs) yes i mean yes it's both but it's also the best thing for them yeah I had written down something else, but now I'm going to change my my triumph and fail based on this. Uh, so we today had, um, I've talked about Oliver is in um, occupational therapy and physical therapy, and it has just become like more and more evident that uh, Henry, who has pandas, needs to go back to some occupational therapy and perhaps some physical therapy as well, which I knew was kind of coming down the pipeline, but Months ago, I scheduled appointments. We are leaving on a trip tomorrow. I needed to get these evaluations done. So today, this morning, I took Teddy to his speech evaluation and then um, Henry to his OT and PT evaluation. I know, we're a mess. What can I say? And um, it's all at the same place. And Teddy's speech eval went like as I thought it would go. Came home, did a quick change with Jeff, picked up Henry and brought him. And he is typically super compliant in things like this. And we got into the occupational therapy thing happened first. And, you know, she's talking to me and I'm including him in the conversation because he's 10 and he actually knows better than I do a lot of these questions he's asking. You know, I can kind of draw conclusions on what I've seen, but he sort of knows like which um, tactile things he doesn't like, like all of that. Well, she goes to do some fine motor assessments because one of the things that happens with pandas is that when it attacks this part of his brain, he loses some fine motor skills each time and almost has to like rebuild um, the handwriting and shoe tying and all these little things. And I I imagine it is incredibly frustrating at this age where he knows that that has happened, which is why we need to be in some occupational therapy, one of the reasons. And they go to do these fine motor skills. And I watched him just become completely defiant. Like he just did not want to do the activities. He eventually with each one kind of did it begrudgingly. But typically in in these kind of settings, he's really good at this. And of course, you have to sit in the room for these. But if I interact with him, then they don't really get to see, you know, I'm just creating conflict between Henry and I, and they don't get to see the situation that I'm dealing with. So I sort of sat there and watched him be rude to this therapist and to, you know, not doing things and and then kind of begrudgingly doing it. And one of them, he was supposed to pick up a penny and pass it to his other hand and put it in a bucket. And so he grabbed them all and passed them like, OK, I did them all. And then she was like, no, you have to do them one at a time. So he went like sloth speed mm-hmm. doing it. And I had to just sit there and watch. And um, it was really frustrating for me. And as I was leaving, he went to the bathroom and, you know, I sort of said to her, oh, gosh, I'm so sorry. You know, and she said, well, we're better able to help your kid if we see them how they are. And I just had this, like, relief Mm -hmm. leave me of, like, it's okay. It's okay that that she saw this behavior because this is the behavior we see at home. It is okay that some of it is normal. It is okay that this is who he is. And now hopefully we can get the skills. You know, she, she was like, I wonder if some of the defiance is because this stuff is really difficult. And he feels like at 10, it shouldn't be difficult, but it is difficult. Or is it that he's super bored? Like it is, you know, these are all things we're going to explore. Then I was like dreading our PT eval because I was like, they were back to back. And I was like, oh, geez. And of course, that's all this big physical stuff. And we get in there and he is just like, after doing the first two things is like, great, because he needs that, that input. But 
I guess I just, as you guys were telling your stories, I just wanted to say this to say, like, it felt like such a fail when I was in there. And I, I have these moments sometimes. But in the end, it was just like parents that are, this is happening to you. And your kid is like laying on the floor in the waiting room because they don't want to do the next thing. Like, I see you. I have yeah. been there. It is okay. I'm like thankful for those people in our lives that that take what are failures to us and just say like, this is your kid and it's cool. Yeah, like I see this all the time. Your kid is not yeah. a freak. This is my job. Yeah. And they are, they, they kind of put, put your stuff in context in a way that makes you feel less alone, right? Yeah. Anyone who needs some grace this week, please extend that to yourself because we're all just, we're all just getting through whatever this is. Well, we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we're going to get into today's listener question. Let's get into today's listener question. It's being read, as always, by the fabulous Shasha Leonard. Dear mom and dad, my younger child has always been pretty introverted. But since we began to emerge from the pandemic, she started having panic attacks whenever we're around groups of people, basically at all. She can handle it if they're all her friends, and she does love her friends. But if they're unfamiliar, even a dozen other people, kids or adults, is too much. It's stopping her from doing some things she genuinely wants to do. For example, she frequently said, I wish we could go to a pool that had no other people and one friendly coach just for me and my brother. That's a frequent desire. She gets really overwhelmed often when we're in public. Sometimes she cries, and sometimes she's rude to others. Other parents, coaches, and teachers comment on it all the time. I feel like I should do something about it, but I have no idea what. I've suggested that maybe she should consider therapy, but she has flat out refused. She knows what it is because her brother just graduated from therapy for anxiety. He loved his counselor, so nothing negative there. She says she just doesn't want to share her feelings with a stranger, and I get that. Pre-pandemic, her introverted tendencies were manageable, but for two years, she hasn't had the opportunity to experience a big homeschool group. It's also easy to blame the pandemic for everything, but she's almost 10. So maybe it's also puberty? She also used to have an extraordinarily high frustration threshold, and that seems to have evaporated in the past six months, too. I'm pretty introverted myself, and I remember feeling like my extroverted mom thought there was something wrong with me. I don't want my daughter to feel that. But like, sometimes I want to go to a concert or museum and not have to deal with a meltdown if it happens that there are a lot of people there. I appreciate any help you can offer. Mom of a pandemic prickly pear. Stephanie, do you want to take a stab at this first? Sure. Um, it sounds like your daughter might have a combination of anxiety and introversion. Um, and I'll start with introversion because I too am introverted and so is my son. <laughs> um, I've had years and years of people telling me to come out of my shell and it's usually an extrovert who says that. And sometimes I just want to scream, why don't you stay in your shell for a while? <laughs> because I feel like it's the introverts who always Fair have enough. to change. Yeah. But what I mean is it's totally normal to dislike events with large crowds, things that are too loud. We all gain our energy from different sources, and it's entirely possible that your daughter might always be cautious in those situations. The way we manage our little introvert is we let him look at the pictures first of where we're going. Um, so he really likes Google Earth and like zooming in and seeing things of what the inside of the museum might look like. 
Uh, we talk about how it will be. If there are a lot of people, we'll talk about it. If there's going to be an exhibit. And then we let him leave if he wants. And this is the hard part because it drives you a little nuts if you made the drive to go to a museum and you paid the ticket to get in and then they don't want to be there. But forcing them to be there just makes it worse. Um, And if you want to make sure that this is something they kind of grow out of, they need to do that growth. And so what we'll do then is we'll let him leave it and then he'll bring it up again later and he'll ask, hey, can I go again? And then he'll spend more time there. And we did this when we went to Chicago and I was so excited to show him where I'd lived for so long. And I was like, all right, we'll go to Navy Pier. He hated it. He was like, it's so loud, too many people. And then the next day he wanted to go there and it was like, okay, we'll go there. So two day two of a three day trip, Navy Pier, two days. <laughs> um, and then on the third day, he's like, I had so much fun at Navy Pier. Can we go again? And I was like, all we have done this entire trip is Navy Pier. <laughs> But he loved it so much. And now that he feels more comfortable in Chicago. So it didn't line up with how I wanted to do it, but it worked. And then for the anxiety part, I am a firm believer in therapy. And I understand that it feels really weird to talk to a stranger. And you might not call it therapy for her. Like, let her pick. Um, Psychology Today, the website, lets you choose based on different qualifications. You could say, like, do any of these people sound interesting to you? Would you like to maybe be their friend? And you could talk about it that way, and maybe they'd be more comfortable talking. And it's possible that she might need medication for that. And that's okay, too. Um, It's really common from the pandemic because our nervous systems were so inundated with the fight or flight response that we don't know what to do now that we're kind of safe. But I do love where her head's at because not wanting to make her feel like she's anything less than amazing, because that's often how people who are introverted and anxious get told. It's like, you need to be something else. What's wrong with you? Instead of like, hey, you're great. Can we make you feel a little better? Yeah, I really appreciate the the shell thing that you said. Extroverts think that everyone should be extroverts. That's totally not true. Um, <laughs> and I, I really like that framing. I wanted to focus in on the therapy piece. So the brother just graduated from therapy. So, so she knows what therapy is. So I don't know if you can kind of, you know, just say this, do you want to be friends with this interesting person? I think she's too smart for that at this point. And it does, it does really sound like therapy would be super effective, but a therapist can't do good work. I think if the the patient has no interest in being there or is like refusing to go, um, which even though she's 10, I think she has a right to refuse at, right now. Like, I don't, I don't know if you can force her. But one thing that, that I read was that research shows that helping the parents, even if the child refuses to go, can be as effective as treating the child. So like if your child refuses to attend therapy, try going in without them mm-hmm. a few times, and that might help to uncover the root of the behavior and help you to, to learn tools um, to connect with, uh, with your kid and, and the anxiety that they're experiencing. So even if therapy isn't quite yet um, a reality for your child, you might get some tools there that could be helpful. I think that's a great suggestion. Like I've shared a lot about the the therapy that we've used for different things in our family. And I honestly, some of the the most helpful stuff has been a family therapist coaching me on how to deal with the particular situation. So in this this case, social anxiety. And and Stephanie, that's kind of I honed into on this like 
introversion versus anxiety. And so I do think that there is there's some sort of issue if we cannot be doing the things that we need to do. And particularly when you're homeschooling, it's a lot easier to say we don't have to do any of those things. Any chance you get to any of these places asking, can we come by before and, and when there's no one there and do a walkthrough, where are the bathrooms? Where do we change? Where for the pool? Where do we do this? Like, is there an opportunity to get a lay of the land and get some time in the physical place so that that's not mm. a problem, right? Because then you can start to deal with like, okay, I know there are a lot of people, but that's not on top of now, like, I don't know where, you know, for an adult, it's like, I don't know where to park. I don't know where, you know, but the kids have that too. Like, I don't know where to go when this happens. I don't know where I'm supposed to be. I don't know where we're going to be sitting. If you can get any of that out of the way beforehand, you know, like how many of these things can you be in a smaller group or control that group to a few people she knows and a few people they don't know, right? And then you can say like, well, you already know three of the six people that are coming to this thing. So it it just makes it like a more manageable chunk. Um, But I think that therapy is going to play a, a huge role in this, whether it's for you on how to help when you're home or for your daughter, and hopefully, I mean, eventually, um, for your daughter, because it sounds like she wants to go to these things. And I think that's the heartbreaking thing here is like, she wants to swim and go to the pool. I also would ask the pool, like, hey, when are you the the least crowded? Mm. Um, and if that means that you come at our pool, like there's all this water stuff that's on, and all of her really does not like that. But if you go before 10, the water stuff is not on, and therefore there are less people. Now, there are also no lifeguards, which means that the parents who have kids there have to be much more involved. But it's so much better, right? I can be in the water and the kids are happy and they're not covering their ears or worrying about being splashed. I know lots of museums have sensory-friendly times. That is a great time to also take a kid um, that might be having some social anxiety. Everything's just kind of tampered down. I also do wonder if you have some sensory, if there are some sensory issues going on here just with space um, and the the a, a lot of occupational therapy for this age is about that kind of sensory diet and how how your body reacts to different things and there are some people who just like noises are too loud and you'd be amazed what a pair of earplugs does like those sort of um, things that you can do and the great part about occupational therapy if you have access to it is that they try out all that stuff and then come to you as the parent and say these are the things that are working so that you don't have to buy a thousand fidgets and weighted vests and all of these things they can just come and say this is what's working my last recommendation though is um I really love this journal called the Big Life Journal. I have used it with Henry actually twice, and Oliver is just starting it. And it's just a guided journal to work through some of this anxiety and um, just like things that they're thinking about themselves and about the world. 10 is a perfect age Mm. for this. And it's super fun. So my kids, even when we, I said to Henry, I think we should start, like we should do the whole thing again because it was such a positive thing for us to do together. He was happy to do it. So check it out, the Big Life Journal. If the journal's not for you, the webpage has tons of great printables um, that I just find everything from kind of like emotional wheels and and different little activities. But 10 is a really good age um, to check out some of that. So that's Big Life Journal. Great. I love your suggestion about the low sensory mm-hmm. hours. Um, uh, Charlie doesn't have sensory issues, but um, I know that he does better in those settings as an introvert. So I tend to sign us up for days like that. Yeah. And it's great. Um, and it helps a lot because then he's eased into a crowd because the museum does then open. 
and it's everyone's there, but he's already more familiar with the setting around him. Like you said, I think that's great. Don't think that the sensory thing is like that you have to have some kind of like diagnosis or (laughs) like you can sign up for these and most places have them. Or if you call and ask, a lot of them have like headphones to borrow or a map that says like these are good places to start or these are exhibitions to skip. So don't be afraid to ask. I mean, I I ask um, most places we go just because I like to know when I recommend it, but also because sometimes we need a sensory break. Like we get somewhere and my kids are totally fine. And then we are just like ramped up by a whole bunch of stuff. Like a lot of these museums are like, oh, well, the blah, blah, blah exhibit is always like really calm and low lighting. And there's this bench, right? Like they know those kind of things. So don't be afraid to ask and just have those escape routes kind of in your mind. Um, but take advantage of all of that and, and ease ease back in. These letters always, my heart just goes out because I know a lot of us are are parenting the best we can and we can't really figure out what the next step is and we want to see our kids succeed and push them but we also feel like we were pushed you know like we don't want to push mm-hmm. too far or or have seen parents that have pushed too far um so gosh mom of a pandemic prickly pear we feel mm-hmm. you and we we hope that some of this advice helped If anyone else has thoughts on how to help out, please write to us. You can email us with your parenting questions, your answers, voice memos. We love to hear from you. Send all of that to slate.com. And that's it for our show. We'll be back in your feeds bright and early on Monday with some fun experiments to do with your kids, plus recommendations. And Jeff is going to join us to answer a listener question. Be sure to tune in. While you're at it, please subscribe to the show and give us a rating and review on Apple or Spotify. This episode of Mom and Dad Are Fighting is produced by Rosemary Belson and Christy Taiwo Macanjula. For Stephanie Ryan and Zach Rosen, I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. Thanks for listening. All right, Slate Plus listeners, let's keep going. So recently, the New York Times had an interesting piece about parenting kids who are good at getting angry. We will link to that in the show notes. But Zach, can you give us a quick rundown? Yeah, I mean, it's basically, and I think it's so important just to to state clearly, anger is good. Anger is normal. Anger is to be expected. It's what do we do with the anger, um, whether we're kids or adults. Um, and so, you know... It, it's it's normalizing anger as as an emotion that we all have. And this piece that really stuck with me, I'll read right from the article. It says, parents sometimes feel like they need to shield their children from their own emotions. But opening up during moments of fury or frustration can be educational. Describe to your child what it feels like physically. Is your mind racing? Is your heart beating fast? So I just really love this. And it, it's kind of counterintuitive. Sometimes I think like... I am pissed. I need to keep cool. And um, my kids are too young to understand even what I'm upset about. So don't bother them with it. No, you, you, we need to model that we all get angry and like, but we can, we can contain ourselves when we do. Um, we often, Noah actually models it for us more than the other way around. She often sings songs about what she's going through, which she learned from Daniel Tiger um, when she is feeling anger. So, um, just last night, uh, we were dealing with uh, a friend of ours who was going through something and Noah was just like right there, um, observing it along with me. And I think just the the more we expose our kids to real emotions and mature people, um, 
handling them without you know resorting to to violence or hurting other people i think we're just we're just um helping to 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 nurture mature badass kids i think it's such an amazing tool that this generation of kids is Mm going to have mm -hmm. like my son is so emotionally intelligent that sometimes i look at him and i'm just like how this is great um but i think it's going to result in less toxic masculinity and toxic femininity because a lot of girls when we get angry some of them get petty and they'll like yeah. do things to other girls that aren't nice or you have toxic masculinity of where that ends up in the news and things mm-hmm. so i'm 100% on board with it <laughs> yeah i have anger is definitely like the hardest for us in our in our house and there's a lot of it as like a secondary emotion so someone um feels jealous and then they like, but what comes out is is the anger. Um, and I felt like the article is, it. it's all things that we are, like, told. And I felt like they were all pieces that I have been told at different times. But to sort of see it in one place and say, like, I also don't need to feel like the anger itself is bad. Because I do think sometimes I internalize it as, like, well, I wish he was less angry. And it's like, no, I wish his actions when he was angry we're better. The anger itself is fine. Like I, how much of my day do I spend angry about little things or about things that didn't work out? Right. Like it is, it is a, it crosses my emotional path, like a lot in a day. Um, so I shouldn't feel weird that it like also crosses the kids emotional path, but that we really need to focus on again, this like naming it that like, yes, you feel mad, but you feel mad because actually you feel jealous, right? Or you feel mad because you feel sad that this thing that you built got destroyed. Like, it's so complicated, but I do think it gives kids this idea of like, wow, this is really complicated. (laughs) Like, it's not so simple. It's just like anger. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But it also simplifies it. It's like you're disambiguating it. It's not just this big cloudy mass of anger it's oh you know i'm i'm feeling angry because of this and this and then it just makes it real and then you it kind of you can deflate it that way too yeah it's humanizing it makes yeah. it so like that i mean they see yeah. us as you can do no wrong and you came out the way knowing everything and mm-hmm. the fact that we deal with anger your child is like oh wow okay you're doing this too i think Inside Out is like, I love that movie Mm. and it's so great for talking about emotions and feeling emotions, but I do feel like it a little bit gave my kids this, like a, a less complicated view of emotions, which of course they needed when they watched it, but to now start to add in like being able to feel these things simultaneously and, and working through those and then adding in this like element of also thinking about you know that like because jealousy can sometimes come with like the opposite of that can be like joy when you get something and your brother doesn't Mm -hmm. right but then how does like empathy play into that i don't know just like the complex world of (laughs) of inside out not just four little guys (laughs) sequel (laughs) sequel they're all actually made up of uh, inside of them are all kinds of other people (laughs) pulling the levers yeah pixar get on that Well, Slate Plus, thanks for joining us. And be sure to join us on Monday for our regular show. You won't want to miss it. And Thursday for another bonus segment. See you later. 